1: And welcome to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, joined by Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up?
0: Evan, I'm doing well. How are you doing?
1: Doing great. Doing great. Uh, how are you doing health-wise?
0: Getting there. Getting there. A little bit of a, <coughs> a little bit of a cough still. Mm-hmm. That's what the new button's for. A little bit of a Little nasally voice, I guess a little bit, but we're trucking through. We're fine. Getting no worse for wear.
1: Yeah, I agree. You sound you sound good. You sound good. You know, I mean, I'm I'm still fighting something a little bit, uh, but you've been fighting something for a little while. But you're you're doing it valiantly. So that's all that matters. I try. Um, I try. You you do. Uh, Fortunately for you, Saturday night the Bruins game in Vancouver was at seven, which was nice. I was. Very happy it was the case. Not the case Monday night when they go to Seattle and play at 10 p.m. again, which <sighs> really, really. Um, But I know the YouTube commenters are not going to be happy. We're recording this on Monday. Bruins beat is usually recorded on Monday. First time all week. So that's how it sticks. There will be other podcasts that are right after. But I think there are pertinent topics that don't really involve Monday's game. Um, because it started Saturday. Bruins go to Vancouver, up to nothing going into the third. They blow that lead in the third period. Then they lose the game in overtime. Connor, have you seen this script before? I don't know. I think they've, the Bruins have done this a couple times this year.
0: I think I have. It's kind of like uh, the, this Bruins season is kind of like a Fast and Furious uh, script or like the Land Before Time. Like It's slightly different. There's a few different facets thrown into it. They go into space in an episode. It's like uh, – <laughs> It's like that severe. It's like something's has a little outlandish every year and now, but the the the
1: bones of the script are the same. And this has been something that's been plaguing the Bruins all season long. Is it like was the end of last season, like the see you again scene with uh, Paul Walker and Vin Diesel, where they go this sep- like it's Brad Barcia yes. and Patrice Bergeron going their separate ways. That was kind of yes. last yes, season. Exactly.
0: And what do you know? That game, that uh, season also ended on not holding a, uh, a lead late in the third period, losing in overtime. So.
1: Crazy how that works. It just happens over and over again. And we continue to watch and follow and cover it. Um, But yeah, Bruins going to Vancouver. um, They had a goal from Boquist. Heinen had a goal, uh, but then they blow it in the third. Um, There were a lot of bad things in that third that, as you mentioned, have continued to pop up, whether it be Derek Forbert, whether it be not really getting the timely save from Swayman. Um, What did you think of kind of that debacle?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's been more or less the same things we've seen, right? Like not being able to kill plays, you know, taking your foot off the gas, not be aggressive, you know, not being able to withstand an uptick in like forechecking pressure. You know, it's all it's what these teams are doing isn't anything that's outlandish or something we've never seen before. Like, what do you know? Desperate teams trying to claw back into a game are going to get more aggressive on the forecheck. They're going to do more things to disrupt your passes you know, kind of um, create chaos and do things to throw you off your game. And the Bruins, time and time again, haven't shown that they've got the wherewithal, the execution, whatever it may be, the medal, whatever you want to say, um, to get them out of these critical situations. I mean, it'd be one thing, like, every team's due for a few clunkers every season, right? Like, yep. um, where you give up a, a game, uh, a lead late, lose it overtime what have you. Bruins have lost, what is it, eight games? They lost one game in regulation, seven games in overtime or shootout. They're leading up to two periods. Like, can't happen, right? And, and it's one of those things where if you don't sort it out now, what do you know? Like, it's going to come back to bite you at the worst possible time. You know, like, it's one thing to deal with it now. You, you fix it. You, you find ways to you kind of grind through these games now. Don't fix it now. And a few months from now, Brendan Montreux is going to fucking rifle in a shot in a, a game. Set. I mean, it's one of those things where if you don't fix it now, it, it is going to break you back at the worst possible time. And again, there, if these things don't get sorted out now, we can all see it coming, right? We know when it's going to happen again in the playoffs. And it sucks now when it's a road game against a good Vancouver, a good Vancouver team in the regular season. It would have been a great win. They got through that win. It's regular season. What happens when it's game five or game six or game seven and you've got a a critical game right there and you let it slip away? Don't recover from those ones uh, just as easily, right? So, um, as you said, a lot has gone wrong uh, in multiple situations here. It feels like every single time they've given up one of these late leads, it's, you know, something else. The defense collapses. One guy trying to do too much with the puck, bad pass all these things and all of them compound to the same thing where this team is on the wrong side of the scoreboard when they've got two points within their grasp and it just can't happen.
1: And what are they three, three and four or three, four and three since the, since the all-star break. I mean, yeah, it's one of those two. I mean, they only have three wins in that time Uh, on the season. They have 13 overtime losses or shootout losses, which is I think second most in the league to the Islanders. The Islanders have 14. Um, but, uh, you know, the all-star break could not have come at a worse time because the Christmas break couldn't have come at a better time. They were not playing well up to that. Then they come back from the Christmas break. They do. They're incredible for about a month. Then they go to the all-star break. In the end of January, they've been bad for about a month. So it kind of hits a lot of different things. And it brings me back to this point. Are the Bruins real cup contenders? Because we've talked about this a lot this year. Early in the season, I said they're not. This is a transitional team. They can do really well. But at the end of the day, look at the roster. They're going to be, you know, they should be in the playoffs. They will be in the playoffs. But, you know, you don't know. But then as the season started going into December, mid-December, January, it was like, okay, they're really good. We should have high expectations. We should have legitimate expectations for them because of how well they're performing right now. Um, this roster doesn't need a ton because guys were performing. And you, you know, don't trade guys like Debrusque. You know, hold on to those guys, like ride it out, see what you got. And now we're what two weeks from the trade deadline. And, you know, I was looking at uh Kevin Paul DuPont's column from this past weekend, and he outlines all the things the Bruins ideally would need at the deadline. Uh uh, you know, uh, a top kind of defenseman because with Lindholm out and in general and some toughness on the back end and and at forward and you list all these different things of what they will need and it's like do you at some point you just say hands just let it be like my hands are up I'm just let it be like are they are they cup contenders still in your eyes I mean I feel like this entire team the best way
0: to sum them up is like they're a collective yeah. shrug, right? Because you really don't know what you're getting from them. They're like a box of chocolates, to quote, uh, to quote the Great Forest Gump. Like you never know what you're gonna get night in and night out. And it's one of those, it's so frustrating, right? Because I think you can look at them and when they're playing to their strengths, you look at their like blueprint for success, and you're like, "This team can win a round or two, right? If their mm-hmm. goaltending's on, if they're defending well, if they're getting, you know, the." the contributions from the the usual suspects like Pasenak and Marshan, and they're getting, you know, one of Frederick or a JVR or a um, DeBrusque, what have you, that's great. But also there's so many times where we've seen them where, you know, if the goaltending's not up to speed or the defense is, you know, letting up too many great A looks, which has been the case this year. If a guy like DeBrusque or Frederick goes quiet. Um, and one thing I think you're noticing now is like guys like, Martian and Pasternak and Coil guys who've been great all year, are like playing a shit ton of minutes. Like these guys, Tons. what are they going to, what are they going to look like in April and May when uh, they're already running on fumes? You need like that extra. Well, by the way, is over play. 30
1: years old. Just a heads up coils over 30 years old. Yeah. So. And,
0: and, and Martian's what? 35, 36, right? Like, these guys surgery. Are still playing, yeah. Like it's unsustainable the way they're kind of playing right now. So like, are they cup favorites? Are they cup contenders? Probably not. Are they in the mix? Yeah. Like, would they? Would it be surprised if they win around two? No. Would it be surprised if they win two or three rounds? Fuck it. Like, you know, it's the playoffs. You never know. And like, all it takes is one goalie getting hot, one guy, Frederick, to go on a heater. Fucking Anthony Richard going on a heater. You know, like, it, it's how hockey is. Playoff so hero, Anthony Richard. Richard. That would that so would kick w- ass. So I wouldn't immediately be like, ah, this team's you know one and done. Like, you know, have no expectations at all. Like who the hell knows what what exactly happens but yeah like you look at this team and it, it, they're so tough to gauge right because you can see how they can string together a couple of wins a couple of series victories in the playoffs but man it feels like right now the way they're playing an awful lot to go their way and an awful lot to an awful lot of trends that we've seen for a while now to reverse right you need like four Burton grizzly playing to a high level you need the the great ice to be taken care of, which hasn't been the case. You need guys like DeBrusque and, you know, Frederick and JVR and all these guys to be consistent, right? Like we've seen, you know, DeBrusque in the Edmonton game looked like a guy worth 7 million, and then it hasn't been the case since then, right? Like you've got pieces in place that it, it makes sense, but I believe it when I see it. It's the same thing even with like the goalies, right? Like they've got arguably the best goalie tandem in the league, Let's see him in the playoffs let's see what happens when you have a goalie rotation if they end up sticking to that like there's so much still up in the air this team it's just so tough to read
1: and kind of map out what the expectations should be right it, i completely agree i want to get to more of this in a second quirk quick though a word from our sponsor football season may be over but the action on the floor is heating up whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. Get in on the excitement with Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious cash. Picks even offers injury insurance so that your entries stay in place even if one of your players gets injured. For basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player projection won't count against you and the rest of your entry stays live. Testing my skills on prize picks this season is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into a thousand dollars with just a few taps. Want to pick the number of goals David Pasternak will have in a game or the number of shots on goal Brad Marchand might have in a game. Then prize picks is for you. Download the app today and use code CLNS for a first deposit matchup to a hundred dollars. again, Download the app today and use code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Now, back to the show. So what's interesting to me is we talk a lot about, uh, you know, you you mentioned a lot of those guys on the roster, right? DeBrusque, Zaka, Coyle. Forbert, grizzly guys on the back end, uh, who when things are good, you know, those guys are going. But lately, like Jake Debrusque mis- mystifies me. Jake Debrus, I mean, it is so interesting to me how a player is so inconsistent the way he is, the way that he can look like he did uh against Edmonton uh last week. And then to be no shows the next couple of nights and just you know again we talked we've talked all year and we've given Jake DeBrusk by the way a lot of benefit of the doubt in that he plays he, he's underrated he's had an okay season when it, when it's we're not talking production you know good in his own zone he's responsible he's overall like the underlying analytics have been good for him but the production is not which is the point with Jake DeBrusk where it's like if you're gonna sign him to a big time deal you've got to know that you can at least rely on twenty five to thirty goals. Uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 points, that would be perfect. And he's not giving you near that. I mean, Danton Heinen is similar in production to him this season. And, you know, you look at uh, what he hasn't done over, you know, since the all-star break and, you know, Kevin Paul DuPont was talking about this in his column and you know what he mentioned in it he mentioned trading to brusque. He's a, like, I I don't have the column just right in front of me. Uh, Cause you guys know my internet is, Pfft. um, but <laughs> Dupes mentioned a bunch trading DeBrusque and how that might be something that they'd be interested in for, you know, trading for a uh, I think he mentioned like a one for one trading for like a, a more of a bruising or a bigger forward to fit in your top six. I don't know how that would work. I don't know who that would be, um, but I think, you know, we I've said a lot like, oh, they're at the point of no return with trading DeBrusque the way they've played of late. I mean, I think you, they've almost played their way back into if they traded them. I think people just kind of be like, yeah, I mean, I, so I think they're at a point now where maybe they could, but I still, I don't know. I still want them to stick with this roster, but I, I would understand making that move.
0: Yeah. I think at this point I would, I would understand why they maybe just need like a, a shake-up hockey trade, right? Just yes. something's really not working here. So whether that's, changing things up on the, on the decor, whether that's, you know, a guy like the which again, like I, I agree. I feel like we've been, you know, echoing the same sentiment all year long where, you know, still his floor is good as a two-way player. He's still like, he's not like he's getting his minutes cut, what have you, but like you need to you need to produce. Like at this yes. point, you know, we say the same script, but then we also add that qualifier of like, if you're a top six guy, you, you need to be a guy that gives you, a goal or two here or there, a nice feed, um, something just to alleviate the pressure because there's so much. I think kind of one of my bigger concerns right now with this team is what I mentioned earlier is, like, what the hell are Pasternak and Coyle and Martian going to look like at the end of the year? Like, Mm -hmm. for years, we saw, like, the Bruins do what they can to alleviate, you know, guys like Bergeron and, you know, Krejci and what have you for the playoffs and making sure they're not – overexerted and and taxed. But like, what about possible? who does, you know, double power play shifts, right? Like, and is, you know, that Vancouver game got the shit
1: knocked out of him for quite a bit. I was going to say they had no problem, you know, hitting him around and
0: there was no real response from the Bruins. And again, like, what about like coil who, again, I think has been great in terms of stepping up, but like, you're still asking a whole lot for a guy who's 30, who's playing, Power play who's playing PK, who's doing a little bit of everything. Like, what's he gonna look like in April when the, the game actually ratchets up? And again, like, yes, you wanna make sure guys like Bergeron and Krejci are okay. What about Martian, who, as you said, is coming off double hip surgery and is, you know, 35, 36 years old? Like, what's he gonna look like? And again, I these are guys that, you know, we we've seen in the past, you shouldn't discount them in terms of how they're gonna play in the playoffs and rise to the occasion, but you need more guys stepping up to alleviate that pressure. You're just not getting it enough. So yeah, like I, I feel like whoever they trade, if they, if they were to trade DeBrusque, I'd be curious slash maybe skeptical as to what you're getting. That is a, that offers a, a higher floor. Right. Like in terms Mm -hmm. of like, again, like a a physical player, like I really don't know who's out there. Right. Like the, the, the guys you mentioned like a few years ago, like a Josh Anderson where it's like, all right, maybe that could be a 20 goal physical guy, but like, or like a Heinen for Nick Ritchie swap, yeah, yeah, and again, it's like, like Josh Anderson a few years ago, a lot to like about the player, kind of broken down now. Like, you know, like I can't see, like, again, no one's really coming to mind, but is a uh, debris for like a Miles Wood from a few years ago, like those guys really aren't out there, or you know, is that going to be the no. same floor, right? Um, so it's just tough, right? It's tough to kind of find where, what the the proper fit is what the proper shakeup is but again you've hit the point where this team is so um you know lacking in so many different areas they're missing that necessary scoring punch um, from so many key guys in the lineup that yeah maybe you do have to and you know endorse it or welcome it now then maybe you just do need a shakeup and see what comes of it but again when it comes to the bottom line of the return and what you're going to get curious to see what it is and whether it equates to what kind of value you're getting from a guy like the but you're in that spot now you need guys to step up it's
1: it, where it's almost fucking much uh evan like you need to switch things up i agree i completely agree i want to get into this more though quick word though from our friends at factor meals So we've talked a lot about this, and I think it's an interesting point. Uh, Kevin Paul DuPont was talking, uh, you know, listing all the things the Bruins would need at the at the deadline of, of, of different things. And um, every year when free agency comes around, you and I sit here and we say, if you're trying to build your team in free agency, you're not going to. You can't, you know, like if you, the point of free agency is to go out and add some supplemental pieces. If you're looking for a number one center or, you know, a top pairing defenseman or your next number one starting goalie in free agency, it's not usually going to work out because those guys don't hit free agency. And I think we, I feel the same way about the trade deadline and that the trade deadline should really be about supplementing your core that, you know, unless it's a Hampus Lindholm type deal where you lock up a guy long-term. It is a little more likely that you do get someone like that at the deadline, but that takes pieces to give up. That's right. That's why those guys go in, in the trade deadline, but you've got to outbid a bunch of other teams. Um, it's not like you're just signing guys in free agency. And I look at like, I look at Saturday's line charts, right? DeBras, Zaka, Pasternak, Marchand, Coyle, JVR, Heinen, Geeky, Frederick, Rashard, Bocus, Prezeau. Now the top, the bottom six is kind of, you know, I don't mind that. Like, if if that Richard Boquist Brazil line keeps playing the way they have been, I'm, you know, fine. Like, good, cool. Um, and Heine, Geeky, Frederick, they're all third liners. I'm okay with that. But then you look at the top six, right? And like, on paper, Debrusk, Zaka, Postronok, Marchand, Cole, JVR should work. But, you know, Debrusk hasn't been consistent. You know, Coyle had a big, long goalist drought. Zaka has not been producing point wise. Uh, the last couple of weeks, the way that I think a lot of people think you should. And and I agree. I think you should be. Um, Is this like really a roster? And this kind of hits more at, you know, not going out and getting the big fish. Like, I don't think this is a roster. I I don't know if you're revitalizing it at the deadline. I think, you know, to me, and and this is consistent with how we've both been saying, you go out, you add a couple depth pieces at most, and you just sort of say, go. And maybe that's not the smartest answer future wise, I think the smartest answer future wise would be to trade like a DeBrusque or, um, you know, Carl Corazzini, who was on our post game shows all last year. I think he'll be doing mm-hmm. it again. Uh, <laughs> he is always texting me about, uh, potentially trading James Van Reamsdyke, uh, as an idea, it's not inside information, but just as an idea, you know, a guy on an expiring deal, a lot of value. I mean, I think he could be worth a lot. I'm not there yet. Cause then that constitutes you're trading a lot more than just Van Reamsdyke. Like Ben Reeves, like it's an important part if you're going deep. Um, But I don't know if this, I don't know if this roster is good enough that, Oh, you made a big deal at the deadline. Your team has changed. You know, like I, I I think it's just sort of, as you said, meh.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you can certainly make the case, right. That like, again, I think going into this year, we always assumed it was going to be a little bit of a bridge, right. Where again, I think they expected to be competitive, but, First in the East, you know, first in the Atlantic, probably not, right? Like, when you look at just their cap situation, um, the way that the team was kind of set up. And again, like, you've had a lot of guys exceed expectations in terms of especially a lot of these free agent signings. That being said, yeah, like, I couldn't, I don't, I don't know if they're going to be, like, soft sellers, right? We're just going to be like, well, the brass guy, will just move him. Like, you know, like, maybe there is a hockey trade to be made, but... um. I think you just look at the way this team is built like I can't see them like going out there and relinquishing their 2025 first rounder or something like that just to get like another middle six wing, you know or Agreed. something like that. You know, like again, if Hannafin's out there and he's made it, you know, and you you want to limit the risk of him going to a team that he could potentially sign with long term like Tampa Florida. I could see the Bruins being in the mix. I still think the the better play, even if there's more risk involved, is just waiting for him to hit free agency and seeing what kind of what comes of that, as opposed to giving up a first and Blorai and the cap gymnastics, all that stuff. Like, I'd rather wait out on that. But I agree. Like, I, I could see this team still making those upgrades. You know, those marginal ones. Whether it's maybe it's a fourth line player, maybe it's a a, a physical third pairing guy, like. Lubushkin or Steeler or someone like that. Um, But yeah, as you said, like, I can't see them being, you know, moving that 2025 first or like, let's say it's like they're going to trade Olmark for a first round pick and something and then flipping that first round pick to get. Pavel Buchnevich or something like that. Like I can't see something like that happening. Right. where, Where you're really trying to juggle the roster just for the sake of putting this current team over the top. If you think it's worth trading for Hannafin now, because then you get the inside edge and you sign him, I can see it. I can see the marginal upgrades. Maybe it's, you know, maybe even if it's a player like a Jacob Middleton, which is going to cost, I think, quite a mix. He's under contract for next year. But still, I got it helps out this year as part of next year, maybe. But I can't see them, like, looking at rentals or, you know, short, short-term gains for a team that's in transition that, again, you wait things out. And all of a sudden you got your first next year, you've got, you know, a few more draft picks. You've got a lot of cap space. You're able to operate more as usual next year. If you just wait things out a little bit and aren't as maybe win now as you've been in years past. If there's ever a year to do it, it's probably this year. Where you Agreed.
1: And Potcher will be a year older. Fully recovered from his injury, will have had a full off season. Lowry's a year older. I talked about this with Hags on Saturday, and what's interesting, like with, with getting a guy like Hannafin, right? Like, let's say the Bruins go up, get Noah Hannafin at in the off season, right? And suddenly your top four is Hannafin, Car, uh, Carlo McAvoy, and Lindholm. Lowry ideally would be a top four defenseman, whether that's next year or at least in the next two years. The way that he's played, are you log jamming him? With a guy like hannafin like i think that is a question and i don't know if there's a right answer but that is a question i think the brewers are gonna have to ask is if you go out and get a guy like hannafin are you stifling the development of someone like a mason Lowry? now you want to make your team as good as possible and i think they want to continue to contend and hannafin helps that but i think that's something that you do have to keep in mind um i agree with you this is not the year to outbid teams and get like a low-end middle six forward for a first i think that'd be a horrible idea Um, you know, dupes, even in that column mentioned, like, don't go for the Tyler Bertuzzi or the Rick Nash. I think that that's, and I agree. I think that that's a bad idea. Uh, but it kind of hits back at this to me, like, I don't, I, the Bruins should contend for the cup, the way that they've played, uh, the goaltending, they should contend. And that's why I think they will contend. They will not be, I, you know, I see them winning around. They should win around. Um, but it wouldn't shock me if they didn't. It's almost like yeah. one of those things, like, uh, not to cross sports here, but the 2018 Patriots, that last Super Bowl they won. It w- I remember going into that being like, I could see them being out in the first round, or I could see them winning the whole thing. And that's kind of how I view this team, where, like, the goaltendings there, the, the guys on the roster when they perform are good. You know, like, on paper, that it's not the best <laughs> roster in the East. But it should at least be something. You should have something there. You should be a favorite. Um, Or I could see them out in the first round. Or I could see the goalie tandem not working and DeBrusque not showing up and, you know, uh, the, the bottom six breaking apart. I could see that too. But I don't think that is all magically cured by making big splashes at the deadline. I don't think suddenly it's like, oh, new team. They're going for it. Like, I think there are the Rangers, the Hurricanes, the Panthers. There are other teams out there. Yes, they're lower than you in the standings, but they're more complete. They're more complete teams, and so um, I think that's just the reality of the way the season is going to go. And you know what? Maybe, maybe fa- Bruins fans find it a little. I, I, they won't, and I, they shouldn't. But maybe they'll get a little more solace and like see what happens this year even though Bruins fans have never done that ever that's no ever ever been not. the mindset so I don't think that'll start now um but I don't know I just you know guys aren't performing the way they should and you know hopefully they start doing it at some point but I just think that that's kind of where the bruins are at and I don't think that's us being wishy-washy on them um they haven't they've been played well the last 10 games and the deadlines no. in two weeks like they got the Bruins, Sweeney, Neely, those get the front office has to make tough decisions. And I don't think those tough decisions should be big moves. Um, would you back to the Debrusque thing, real quick, before we go? And we'll talk about Debrusque, I would imagine, a lot more in the next two weeks. But before we head out, um, would you, I, I know, like you mentioned, I mean, would you be in, would, would you be in on trading Debrusque? Cause I, I don't know, like I'm like up in the air. I just air don't know, sports. I don't, I just don't
0: know what the return would be and like, Uh, I mean, yeah, like what what are you getting back? Are you trading him for like a first? And then it's like people like, oh, call up Lysel. All right, I'll believe it when I see it. Because I saw Georgie Markov get called up and he played fucking nine minutes a night.
1: Yeah. So
0: what what's (laughs) actually gonna who's actually gonna step in there, right? People always say play the kids. When have you actually seen that from a top six perspective? Are we gonna see it? Yeah. Because I I, uh, Evan, I believe it when I see it. So I agree down to what the return
1: is. I agree. And I think again, if they if the Bruins traded Debrusque for a first, let's say, um, and said, Yeah, we're we're looking towards the future, I'd go, okay, great. Like, you know, fine. If that's what you're gonna do, sure. You know, like, but at the same time, I don't know if you can t- trade Debrusque for a first and still be looked at as contenders. Cause that's selling. Yeah. That yeah. is selling. Um, and so then if you're gonna trade Debrusque for a first, like this goes to the Van Riemsdyk point of like are you going to keep Van Reemzek around this off season? If you are cool. Like if you, if, but I, my guess is he's going to want to get paid. He's worked his way into it. There are going to be other teams that view him as a value at two or $3 million. I know you have cap space, but do you want to devote that money to him? So then it's like, do you also deal him? And then suddenly you get in the whole thing of like, okay, then now we're selling like now we're yeah. moving pieces off and we're building for next year. And it's sort of a rebuild on the fly. So that's why, like I, if you like, I wouldn't mind the first round pick, I would love the first. I've said it all year, it'd be great, but they've they're contenders, they still are contenders for the playoffs. And dealing off legitimate pieces of the roster for draft picks is not something a contender typically does. But if they view the future like that, then that's how they view the future. One other thing I want to hit on, I forgot about this before we head out. Um, I know I keep saying before we head out, but uh, it's like when someone when you're like in a conversation. It was someone, and they keep saying, Oh, I got to go, but real first, real quick first. That's Evan, that's Evan,
0: Evan, Ron, Popiel, Marinowski.
1: <laughs> like, wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Um, this hits back at the roster thing. Um, Montgomery said of overtime the other night, uh, We haven't been good enough. A lot of points squandered. I have to look at the player usage and who's on the ice. We know it already, but I'm probably going to the well too often with the same players. Uh, I agree. Probably is going to the well too often with the same players. But I will counterpoint that and say, like, in overtime, are like, you know, do you necessarily trust some of the other younger guys on the run? Like, are you really going to go to, um, you know, I forget who he used in overtime the other night, but like, are you going to go to Geeky and Heinen and, and Richard and Boquist in overtime? I mean, they've played like that fourth line's played well enough to maybe warrant it, but like, are you going to those depth pieces in overtime? I don't know. You know, I think it hits both ways there. So
0: and it also and it also goes back to like, again, I, I am sure anytime people bring up like the brush trade, they'll say, oh, Lysel, Merkulov. All right. Again, I believe it when I see it. Yeah. You're going to put you're going to put Merkulov or Lysel in overtime and put them in a the third period, protecting the lead. You need to OK,
1: I believe it when I see it. I agree. I'm with you on that. <laughs> Um, anyways, that's been this episode's uh, this week's or this week's first Bruins beat of the week. Uh, Connor, what can people look forward to from you at the Boston Doc at the Boston Globe and Boston dot com? Wow. Yes, you can find uh, all my stuff over at Boston.com
0: and the Globe. Uh, whether it's game recaps, features, breakdowns, we did a uh, another one of our pros and cons looking at uh, a Linus Salmar trade and whether the Bruins should uh, look at that. Uh, we'll have more stuff leading up to the deadline, obviously, so you can find all of our stuff over at boston.com and the globe. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at
1: Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Burns Beat listeners. Have a great rest of your week.